Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is your host, Lorraine Nightheart, and you have reached Venus Unplugged. What we do on this radio uh, broadcast is we discuss all things Venusian, everything that has to do with Venus, which is also truth and beauty and psyche, the way of the unconscious. What uh, I've been looking at and exploring is uh, meaning the power of evil and the powers of evil in fairy tale. Fairy tale are um, ancient tales, somewhat encoded, or not somewhat, very much encoded, uh, ethical uh, problems, and how do we deal with them? And so, uh, as in life, how do we deal with life ethically? So, we've been exploring the lie, okay, and the lie is about uh, that, uh, you know, good is the only thing, and, and bad is evil, and that is the lie. Because without the two of them together, which is called the, the tension of the opposites, we split everything in half, and then we become righteous. Or the universe wants for me. We don't know really what the universe wants, because the universe is not personal, nor is the divine. God is not a being it's it's a deity. It's a force. It's the energy. It's kind of like gravity. Uh, it's it's though that energy, All right. And so, when we have these issues of ethical or moral decisions, or just plain out scapegoating the divine, which is what we tend to do, it's like, why did God do this? God didn't do it. Humanity did it, and. Uh, we certainly need to work on ourselves uh, to become human and be able to become wise. So a lot of what go, goes on in the world that we see is all an opportunity to understand the shadow, what we disown about ourselves. It's easy to say, I believe in this, and therefore you are wrong, and therefore I'm going to smote your eyeballs out. Well, there will be no smoting. Because uh, we have an incredible opportunity, uh, whether one believes in reincarnation or not, doesn't really matter. In this term, what matters is who are you and where is your moral compass? And I certainly, the greatest responsibility, the greatest gift we can give ourselves we can give our past, we can give our future, we can give our children, we can give our soul, is to develop uh, the, the capacity to be reflective without shaming. It's like, yeah, what was I thinking? Oh, I would have made a completely different choice if I had known. It's uh, I've been watching Outlander, uh, obsessively, I might add, uh, and suddenly it dawned on me, I'm like into the second whatever season, and I've also watched this, you know, like 20-something times. And the uh, the main character, Claire, I just realized, for me personally, at what how I experience her character, is that, uh, it's like, wait a second, you're just willful. You're not wise. She keeps on doing this shit, which is like, I'm mean, just going to go off and do her thing, right? Well, that's lovely. But could you look around? You're in the 17th century. 
and what is happening. So uh, she she slips through time. She time travels. And, it's, of course, I love the fashions, which is just marvelous. Um, so as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, you know, of course, if my psyche is, is then going like, what? And then when I see something like that or I notice something like that, then, of course, guess what the next question is? Where am I being willful? And does does the when does the willfulness? It's just willfulness. It has no truth or beauty within it. It's just the will. So the self examination, without ridicule or torture, because when we can tolerate the opposite within ourselves, and there's lots of opposites within ourselves. Uh, and learn to reflect in a way that we can, in a way, in a way, suffer. And I don't mean suffer by being tortured. I mean suffer. You know, it's very hard on the ego to become conscious. It is so painful because he says, "What the fuck's the matter with you? I know exactly. This is what we're doing, and I'm right because I believe in this." Well, not really. The right and the wrong, the one without the other, is definitely uh, going to get us in trouble. And I'm not saying that we don't have our, our not just beliefs, our knowing. It's different. To believe, eh, that's usually like the ego, we don't really understand. But when that knowing comes, there was another thing I noticed in this outlander is is um the feminine one of its greatest qualities both the feminine and male and female I'm just talking about the principle of the feminine like nature knows how to wait. Not exactly a modern day capacity, but if we can be still long enough and reflect long enough. Uh, and believe me, what, if it's time for me to go into action, I'm like, you know, bing, done. All right. So it's not. I'm not talking about um, being idle or not responding. The right time to respond. The reflection. You know, who am I pleasing? If I just, you know, go go postal. So what? So yeah, I've you know released my dragons within, burnt down a couple of uh, buildings or relationships, whatever it might be. But so what was the point? Courage, hard rage, that needs to be able to apply that rage with wisdom. So what we were talking about uh, last week was. Uh, I don't know who this we is. I guess it's the royal we. I always say we. Maybe because I'm a Gemini and there's a lot of we's inside. Okay, so what we're talking about was was the lie, and we're seeing a lot of that. And once again, the tension of the opposites, good, evil, above, below, belong together. It's kind of like the yin-yang, which is what's so brilliant about that image. 
which is actually the image of the Gemini too, where there's white, there's a little touch of black, and when there's black, there's a little touch of white. Where there's darkness, there's light. Where there's light, there's darkness. Kind of like a cha-cha. And so when we begin to look at in fairy tales, as I said, which are which are encoded with moral and ethical uh, difficulties. It's not, uh, it is action-packed, but it's internal. So what Jung talks about, and uh, I think it's very, very important what he was seeing, and this was over 100 years ago, you know, that nature has a natural wisdom rather than an original, you know, religious awareness. It's two different, in a sense, moral codes, The religious is is comes way after nature. If we observe nature, and and I'm, I'm reading this book about the hidden uh, life of trees, I am astounded with what trees uh, do and how they are. I mean, talk about an adventure. Being a tree is quite an adventure. They, when nature is coming at them, they have these, nat- let's say when bugs are eating their leaves, they have it actually can create an acid that then goes out and signals to the other trees that the bugs are coming. And they make the, the other trees make their leaves bitter. And so the bugs don't want to eat them because it's not the sweet leaves. Now, come on. That's astounding. That's nature. And the roots of a tree got nothing on Verizon, I'll tell you right now. So, with this good and evil and this religious awareness, and what is the problem of good and evil? What is that problem? See, if, if we apply our religious beliefs, you know, the set of laws that we live by, Pretty much, I think religions are pretty much saying the same things. They're, you know, they're thousands and thousands of years old, which doesn't always make them, you know, sometimes they need to be edited and updated for uh, a new reality or an evolutionary reality. All right. But the most important thing is not to either scapegoat the divine with why is God doing this or scapegoat another with one's beliefs and then that that other person or that situation is wrong. Where what wisdom demands is that we weigh it and we look at it and when is it you know, when is it time to act? When is it time to just be still? Being still does not mean inactive. When the feminine is still, she's very watchful like nature, like psyche. It watches. It waits. And it gives us infinite opportunity for self-correction. So there's, in a sense, there's no beginning and end of this becoming human. Because that's what we're all in. We're becoming human. Well, what does that look like? There's so many different levels of soul evolution and uh, powerful, powerful um, forces 
are being strewn all over this earth. And it is about our own ethical and moral set of beliefs, but also having the compassion to let others become and become aware. That's why we run into these interpersonal problems. But what we try to do uh, is is we hook things onto to other people and then that causes the chain reaction and then the chain reactions are vengeance and punishment and heaping, you know, we're heaping the, our shadow nonsense or the, the shadow of what we believe. It's kind of like in a marriage. It's all hunky-dory and you get married and uh, but when the divorce comes, which I call the shadow vows, which I think everyone should take when you're in a relationship because that's that's what you're going to want your divorce lawyer. And then it's like, holy moly, I never knew this about this person. It's like, well, sometimes that's what happens. We're, we're not aware. And then we're abandoned and we want that person to suffer. Or not. We certainly want uh, to be compensated. Well, get compensated all along. Don't wait to the end. You know, that's another thing. It's like that trick pony stuff. You know, we suffer through something because in the end it's going to be the great reward. Not necessarily. In a sense, the reward is is the work itself. The reward is... um, what you're, what you're developing as a human being, that you're a blessing on this earth. And sometimes the blessing is that, you know, you will have to point some things out. So it's not some uh, passive way to just and make it pious. No, I don't want to interfere. Well, there are times you, you pony up, man, and you do interfere. But it needs to be done in a way that uh, allows the other to grow. If we just kill off what we disagree within ourselves, uh, within the world, within other races, within other people, then, you know, we we start again. You know, I disagree, or I don't want this to happen, or that. You know, okay, we're going to knock them off. Well, we need to start changing that because uh, that's that paradigm isn't going to work. So part of what we are discovering and what fairy tales, which are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old is being able to, the, the sharpening or the differentiation of uh, of ethical reactions. Life, we like to think it's black and white and clear cut, but it, it's not. So when you, when you work with fairy tales and you see what they're really about, uh, you begin to understand that every sentence and every plot 
is driven by uh, the opposites. How do we choose? Why does uh, one character, sometimes it can look like, oh, that's not nice. They just burnt the evil sisters. Well, and it's not about revenge. It's about justice in the sense of evil begets evil. So it's that paradox of, like, let's say charity. So should one be charitable to evil or not? So sometimes we need to really be aware what is what is really going on here. Sometimes people are overly charitable with evil. It's like, oh, well, they had a terrible childhood. Well, basically coming to this planet as a trip and a half um, and there's a lot of difficulties. It doesn't necessarily make a person. Uh, it's the way people think. We, we always assume it's emotional, but if if your thinking is off, if you if you think you have a right to be above, or you or you you think you you uh, you're entitled, that there's no effort on one's part to contribute, but you just I want to contribute the ignorance as if it's truth. Well, not cool. No, 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 no. So we, this, but this is very exciting to be able to look at, you know, what in each situation, all right? Because it's never a straight line. Truth is never a straight line. And sometimes, in principle, it may be true, but it's not real. Like the Velveteen Rabbit, which I think is the greatest book on consciousness ever, because by the time we get real, we've loved. And, you know, our fur is half rubbed off and our nose is kissed too much or whatever happens to the Velveteen Rabbit who wants to be real, which is a wonderful image. Do you want to be real? And if so, what is that? So in these the difference, let's say, between a deity and a human being, which is great, because in in the religious expect, uh, respect, let's say in the, in uh, Jung's book Answer to Job, which I think is one of his most significant books, because it's really dealing about the with the shadow of the divine. So we don't scapegoat the divine. We don't scapegoat and say, you know, why did you do this? This is your fault. I am so good, and you have punished me by not giving me exactly what I want. Or, you know, my crops failed or whatever is the equivalent of crops failing in your life. Um, and we're being tested. It's divine order. I mean, I always get a little nervous when people, you know, for whatever reason, it's like, really, well, I'm really furious at God, and I'm really, it's like, I think I'll step away from this, because it's like, and by what? Something far greater, that has the greatest wisdom. Ask yourself the questions. Ex- expand your field, which means expand, you know, with like your aura which is easy enough to do, where it's like, just imagine if you're, what do you think your aura is, 20 feet? Well, well, encircle it 40 feet, because you need more energy and more room to explore what you don't know, which is pretty much everything. At least I know that about myself, which is why it's such high adventure to become conscious. 
So the way that this gets set up is that we we begin to understand, okay, what well, is there an inflation? Uh, are we aware of, of psychic realities? Do we have all the, the facts? Do, uh, do we understand from the point of view of of another, how they're perceiving it? We that's why you know great literature we're always fascinated with because it's like it, it is all about the the tension and the opposites and what we don't know and and the mysteries. But if we take a uh, like a you know so that's if if we're if it's the answer to Job it's if it's the divine, uh, which is not a personal principle, that's one thing. But if it's a, if the shadow and light is between uh, two people. Two human beings. So let's say, because when we're blaming God, we're, we're we're pointing out the divine shadow. Okay, it's like God, this is your shadow, and your shadow acted out on me, and yada yada yada. But uh, that's between you and the divine. But when it's between two human beings, now this one is very very hard to do, but it's also very effective. Uh, and it's not about it's it's like ghosting with conscious. You know, people sometimes they just have to ghost somebody. There is no sense, and I certainly use this in my own life. There is just no sense. There's nothing you could explain. There's nothing you could do. The person isn't ready or not ready. What whatever, and you just must disengage. Sometimes you don't even know what the real reason for, other than it's just time to leave leave the scene. I mean, that's wonderful in, in the Greek um, plays. Suddenly, a character just disappears. Like, whoa, what happened, what happened to uh, that character? And the, in the Greek mind, it's like, no, the divine just took it out. It served its purpose. We don't have to have, it doesn't have to have a completion. It doesn't have to be tied up in a bow. It just gets removed. Uh, sometimes uh, that's Certainly what Saturn does, it removes, it tests our strength, but while it's testing us and what we believe and don't believe, it's also removing obstacles. And the obstacle is to your awareness of consciousness. That's what the obstacle is. So there are times, more often than we could admit probably, that if you say to somebody or you point out, uh, that they've done the shadow thing. Then you've put yourself, you know, above the other. And that has shadow in and of itself. But if you say nothing, then the other can go home and find out for himself. If the feeling relationship is not well established there and there's uncertainty and the other uh, is afraid that you're too powerful for them, then very often it's better just to leave it. Because it, it's just going to, you know, it's like, well, you're so powerful, and the other person sees himself as uh, small, little, or young, or whatever. Um, it's best to disengage. 
but it was what we want lead to leave people with, hopefully. I mean, that's short of endangering. If they've endangered your ego, well, or you find out that you've projected your your gold onto them. You thought they had character that they don't have. And then you're gravely disappointed because that situation has demanded that you take your gold back, you know, the, the golden shadow that you've projected onto somebody or a situation. They don't have that character. You gave them that outfit. And then when they act in a selfish manner or in a manner that uh, absolutely does not include anybody else but their own needs or their own perceptions, whatever story they tell themselves, you could be really suffering and need their just their kindness. And they withhold that because, well, you don't need that. That wasn't really that important. I mean, after all, well... Then we just disengage. When the person uh, just disregards the, your existence, don't fight with them. Disengage. But not disengage in, in vengeful fantasies and all that. Just go like, wait a second. Um, now this takes time to learn to develop this because the ego is always chomping at the bit. I'm going to tell them. You're not going to tell them anything. It's better not to. Because we sometimes, you know, we just want them to, we want to give them the honor of finding out. And that stabilizes them. All right. Which is why sometimes, you know, years later, somebody will say, oh, you know, that situation. I really see now uh, what that was about. So sometimes not to point out the shadow means respecting the integrity of the other person's personality. You respect that person as an ethical being able to find out for himself. And if you, you know, and then if you have a really good relationship with somebody, uh, you can say, oh, come on, you know, you're being foolish now. And then we laugh. Because that's always a shadow trigger, the laughter. The deeper we laugh, the greater the shadow. But we all know we have it, which is what is so hilarious, right? So by respecting them as an ethical being, then they have an opportunity uh, of not losing their self-esteem. And uh, because we don't want them to lose their self-esteem, it's better to leave it alone. They'll figure it out or they won't. And even when others come and say, let's say you've just disengaged because you've either dealt with that person's shadow way too long or they've just gone too far with their shadow and just because they don't feel it, that doesn't mean that you're not being hurt by it and you disengage. Um, Because of that, it's like, well, I didn't do anything. I guarantee we all... We're we're in this together. There's always something that uh, we could correct. So this is part of of that that lie. When we separate shadow and light, and we become inflated with our rightness. You see, in fairy tales, that doesn't work as in life. 
So we want to we turn to humility and, and not feeling entitled to... Repro- We're not reproaching also the divine in another. They're, they're, a, they're a work of art. Undeveloped. Now, what, what's so interesting, if we have no consciousness... We're not aware at all. Then it's really not a, a sin, all right? It's unconscious. This is what Jung talks about. So, with the what's so important with the Jungian work is this: when we begin to understand, not becoming uh, conscious when one has the possibility of doing so, is the worst mistake. That's the absolute worst. Or when we're shaming. Uh, another. We're not giving them an opportunity for their own creative gifts. Here, Dr. Young also says that in a similar way, one of the most wicked, destructive forces, psychologically speaking, is unused creative power. That is another aspect. If someone has a creative gift and out of laziness or for some other reason doesn't use it, the psychic energy turns into sheer poison. That's why we often uh, diagnose neurosis and psychotic uh, diseases as not lived higher possibilities. Now, that's about foot. So in that frame, a neurosis is often a plus, not a mi- minus, but an unlived, li- unlived plus and a higher possibility of becoming more conscious or becoming more creative uh, the refusal of a higher development, of a higher consciousness, is in our experience is one of the most destructive things there is. Among other things, it makes people automatically want to pull back and destroy other people's creativity. And somebody who has an unlived possibility of consciousness always tries to blur, to make uncertain anybody else's efforts towards consciousness. Well, that's not cool. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, if a patient has outgrown an analyst, which very often happens, you gotta you got to leave because you're holding one out the back. Okay, till next week. Cha-cha-cha. Oh, no, not next week. Two weeks. I'm not broadcasting next week. Okay, bye-bye.